Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Doug Krisner in New York. We are at 47 past the hour. Let's get you caught up on market action today. Records for both the Dow and the S&P. And I guess you can credit our rally among large-cap techs, that after the two-week decline we've seen. Also, relative strength among the healthcare space. Financial stocks were up, too. We had some hawkish commentary from uh, a Fed official, that being uh, the head of the New York Fed Bank, Bill Dudley. These comments kind of consistent with what we heard last week from Fed Chair Yellen. Dudley was saying that if you were to halt the tightening cycle now, it would imperil the U.S. economy. So bond yields backed up just a bit today. U.S. tenure last quoted in New York at a yield of 2.18. So for the equity market, not only uh, tech, but uh, as I mentioned, healthcare financials out in front. And the Dow at the end of the day was at 21,528. That's a record. The gain is 7 tenths of 1%. S&P 500 at an all-time high, 2453. The gain more than 8 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ at 6239. That gain is a little more than uh, 1.4%. Not great action if you're long oil in late U.S. trading. We're down 1.4%, 44.11 in in the electronic trade and uh, spot gold right now, 1243.56. Let's get back to Bloomberg Markets with Carol and Corey. Thank you very much, Doug. Bloomberg Markets is brought to you by National Realty, managers of New York City cash flow real estate, providing six to ten, sorry, I'm sorry, ten to sixteen percent annualized returns for immediate monthly distribution. See them at nria.net. So, university endowments, well, fearful, maybe not of a black cat, but what about a June black swan? What specifically are we talking about? Let's uh, check in with Carl Shear. He is chief investment officer at the University of Cincinnati on the phone from Cincinnati on this Monday. And also our Janet Lauren, Bloomberg News, higher education reporter in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Janet, you wrote the story that said endowments hope another June black swan won't spoil a strong year. I mean, so far endowments have been doing better than maybe the year before. Definitely. Last year, endowments on average lost 2% of their through their investments. And this year, we're hearing it could be high single digits, low double digits. And, uh, you know, I think endowments are waiting with bated breath that it's a quiet rest of the fiscal year that ends on June 30th rather than uh, last two years. You had the Greek debt crisis and Brexit and it's not been quiet. No, not at all. Carla, you're holding your breath. Just got a couple of weeks to go to finish out uh, the fiscal year. Well, I definitely wouldn't say we're holding our breath. I mean, we have uh, we have generated really nice returns in the fiscal year that's about to end. I think we'll be up somewhere in the range of 11 to 13, probably on the high end of that range. So that's obviously a, a year we'll be very pleased with. Uh, even after last year, we were down 1%. Uh, but, you know, we're looking at this in 10, 20, 30-year kind of time horizons. So whatever happens over the next couple of weeks, it, it probably doesn't matter very much. I mean, the, the one way in which that does matter is that uh, donor reports will go out in a few months, and they'll have yeah. this fiscal year uh, number. And we'll have to sort of live with that number for for six months or nine months before uh, the next fiscal year becomes clear. But we're definitely still focused on uh, executing the plan that we've been executing for the last five or six years here. Uh, What has changed about that in the last five or six years? I mean, have you, you know, because a lot has changed both in the markets but also in the structure of of, uh, uh, alternative investing, whether it's lower fees or or funds using more ETFs and more indexing and not sort of individual picking of bonds and stocks and so on? Well, an awful lot has changed. That's a great question, Corey. I love it because a lot has changed in the structure of financial markets. As you observe, there are 
uh, ETFs and mutual funds, which you could characterize as forced buyers and forced sellers, right? Exactly the, the sorts of investors we like to be on the opposite side of, given our very long time horizon. Uh, but as much as things have changed, the human brain continues to be a very, uh, a very poor investment engine, uh, poor decision-making engine. And so whereas five or six years ago, things like venture capital and private equity seemed uh, like a whole lot of work for not a whole lot of return, hmm. and absolute return hedge funds seemed like the only thing you needed to be successful in the world, uh, now we're pretty much flip-flopped. It's uh, very few people remember why they invested in absolute return hedge funds, whereas private equity is just everybody's favorite thing right now. And with smaller endowments, your size is, uh, you know, in the billion-dollar range. Smaller endowments seem to be more dependent on U.S. equities. Um, I guess, could you talk about the difference between, um, you know, its size and, and what they're investing in and why, uh, you know, stocks matter for smaller schools? Uh Yes, the answer is that it's mostly about resources. Uh, within some of the, within some of the alternative asset categories, you have to have a fair amount of uh, analytical and research capability in order to find the best among those. Uh, and there's a huge dispersion between the best and worst uh, absolute return hedge fund managers, venture capital managers, private real estate managers, and so forth. And so if you're not able to be, if you're not able to select the best among those, you're going to have a very bad experience. I think very rationally, many of the smaller endowments in the world have said, we don't think that we have the ability to choose the best among those, and so we're going to sort of sit the game out. We're not going to fall into that lower uh, part of the distribution, which, which will generate very disappointing returns to us, so we're going to stick with public equities. Well, this is, I mean, this is my, my analogy of last week, which, you know, people picking fund managers are the same as people picking spouses. They think they're not part of the 50% that's going to end up divorced. <laughs> Well, no question, you, you do need to uh, have a, a certain level of confidence in your ability to, to do good research. On the other hand, you've got to keep in mind that there are, uh, there's great serial correlation in terms of, uh, of that dispersion. So another way of saying that is that uh, uh, funds that have done well in the past have, look like they have pretty good opportunities to do well in the future. And so that is a pretty good hint to what's going to happen with the next fund of a real estate fund manager group or the next fund of a venture capital group. And then the challenge becomes how do you parse the data to understand better if they have the same resources that they had in the past. And uh, I think there is a lot of decision-making that, that needs to go in there, a lot of data. Um, but people who have had experience doing this, I mean, you, you can develop a good track record, a consistent track record of finding good managers in that. It's still hard, but, but uh, it's not impossible. So what are you looking at uh, once the fiscal year ends and you start your new one on July 1st? What are we looking at? In terms of uh, buying opportunities or selling. Sure. Uh, just exactly the same thing as, as you know, la last evening and today at, at 5.01 p.m. I mean, we, you know, again, we continue to just uh, adhere to our, I think, rationally developed, well-developed strategic asset allocation, rebalancing toward, uh, toward our targets. Uh, we recently reduced our U.S. equity target very modestly, and so we'll be moving a little bit out of U.S. equities. Uh, we increased uh, some of our private targets, so we'll continue to, I'd say, very gradually ramp up the pace at which we invest in those sorts of private investment opportunities. Uh, but it's going to, you know, the things we do, take, the, 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 the big switches we make take, you know, years, not, not days. What makes you decide to do a big switch, though? 
Well, I did one when I arrived here because I thought that the University of Cincinnati could actually take a little more risk than it was taking. That was about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't expect any big switches in the future. I mean, the, the, the sorts of uh, um, changes I'm referring to here regarding uh, our strategic asset allocation targets are in the one percentage point or two percentage point range. So what would have to occur in, in the future? You'd have to see a real change in, in market structure. You'd have to see... Uh, a really big, big problem occur, and even in that case, we may not change our 10-year targets. We may simply uh, wish to allocate away from the most egregiously overpriced assets, which I've seen a couple times in my career. Um, how do you identify? I mean, do you do that on an individual basis? Do you say we don't want to be in these kinds of things? The manager you're working with, and just got well, about 30 seconds here. You, you can think back over the past 20 years, and there are a couple times where. Um, there were some things that were very overvalued, and, and most people knew it at the time. Uh, and I think that it's possible to allocate away from those. It's not fun. So we've been in, in value-oriented strategies, and today's Apple move up three or whatever it was percent yeah. versus the greater market up 50 basis points. That's the sort of thing you have to endure somewhat regularly because uh, uh, value uh, strategies versus growth strategies, right. the, the growth strategies go up on an escalator and, and down on a – on an elevator, so you have to you have to bear it out and be disciplined for years, and then you get a benefit all at once. Carl Shear, thank you so much, Chief Investment Officer, University of Cincinnati, on the phone from Cincinnati. Janet, we'll start to hear from the endowments, right? In September, we'll we'll get the early numbers. All right, Janet Lauren, our higher education reporter here at Bloomberg News. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets, and this is Bloomberg Radio. 